0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: and today we have Andrew Rappaport on the show uh, from Shriving for Eternity. He wrote the book, What Do They Believe?, which answers beliefs of various religions. He now has a book called, What Do We Believe?, and I'm going to bring Andrew on. Hello?
2: Hello? Can you hear me?
1: Oh yeah, sorry. I was doing a button wrong I guess. Okay. Can you hear me?
2: (laughs) Can you hear me all right?
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, No, that may have been my fault. Uh, I'm using Skype, and it used the wrong microphone, so sorry about that. (laughs) That is my dad. So what I had said was, hey, Melissa, how are you today? (laughs)
1: Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I had you on before, but it's been a long time. I I think it was the last time we had the other book before.
2: Yeah, and I appreciate you having me on it, and mm, Forgive me for, this is the first time I'm using Skype with our new mixing board and all, so I have not, I guess I didn't set it up right. So my bad, it was nothing on your part.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's Someone, okay. Someone's um, going to clip
2: that, just that clip right there. Someone's going to clip that, <laughs> and we're going to see that on social media, me saying, my bad. It wouldn't be the first time. Get over it.
1: Then they put those little pixelated glasses on you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: there's a video of me with that I, I don't get what all that's about but i i know i don't i'm not in the in it's crowd mean, always, so it's
1: a mean thing it's just like <laughs> you're you're down with them you're on don't know how to it. <laughs> yeah i don't know
2: cool. if that's supposed to mean that i'm really cool or yeah you I know what i don't know uh,
1: um okay I'm gonna start out um since it's been a long time anyways, um, I wanted to know, uh, let the listener know how you became a Christian and talk about
2: your ministry. Sure. And the thing is, a lot of people like to ask me, as you know, Melissa, I'm from a Jewish background, and people tend to ask yeah. me, like, how did I get saved? Because somehow <laughs> that must be, like, super cool. No, I, I got saved the same way. Every other (laughs) Christian got saved, and it's all a miracle. I mean, when we think about this, God left heaven, came to earth to die in our place, pay the consequence of the sin that we owe, that we might be forgiven. That's amazing. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish, Roman, Catholic, or anything else. Even if you're raised in a Christian home, it's still way cool miracle. So... But I got saved. I was just 16 years old, and I was not looking for Christ. In fact, I, being raised Jewish and with my many years of Hebrew school, was trained and taught to believe that Jesus Christ is Hitler's God. I was not looking for Christ. I wasn't looking for a crutch or a solution. I thought life was great. I was doing well. For me, it was more of a logical decision when i went through and i looked at the arguments as someone was sharing with me of the new testament and the fulfilled prophecies and i'm i i'm a, like deal with numbers i'm a, a math kind of guy and i was running the numbers and i stopped them, and i said chuck we are beyond what's called statistical impossibility if i look at the prophecies that he was giving me that were just coincidence i mean it's self-fulfilling i threw out because well if it's self-fulfilling i could fulfill it But what he did was he was giving me these prophecies, and it was beyond statistical impossibility for these to happen by chance. And I said, this only leads to one possible conclusion. The New Testament must be by God. And so, therefore, I believe the New Testament. I didn't believe in Christ, which may seem strange to folks. I didn't really understand what the New Testament taught, so I said, I've never read it at that point. So I said, tell me what the New Testament teaches. He he starts explaining at this point, the death, burial, resurrection. Wait, stop. People don't rise from the dead, and they certainly don't raise themselves from the dead because dead people don't do anything. They rot. That's what dead people do. And I try to argue against the resurrection. In fact, if you've ever read Josh McDowell's book, More Than a Carpenter, he gives you different false views of the resurrection maybe they got the wrong tomb, maybe he didn't really die and he re, you know, revived himself. I came up with all of those arguments on my own without having read his book for the resurrection. I have one that's still original with me. I've never heard anyone else argue this, but I argued maybe, this is my last-ditch effort, I said, Chuck, maybe the disciples, they dug a hole underneath the tomb, snuck the body out and stole it, And that's what happened to the body. And he goes, in three days, heavy, heavy equipment then, Andrew. And I was like, ah. He was like, what's wrong? I said, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then that vindicates that he is God. And Chuck says, well, what's wrong with that? I said, well, if he's God, I know I'm a sinner. I mean, I almost burned my house down twice. Once wasn't enough. I got first time we put it out with a fire extinguisher, second time with the fire department. So I knew that I wasn't a good child. But the thing was, was I didn't think I needed a Savior because I thought my Judaism saved me. And now I suddenly realized not only did I need a Savior, but Jesus was the Savior. So on the steps of a Dairy Queen in San Francisco in 1984, I repented and put my faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you do the math, you can now know that I am 50 years old. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) My wife is 25, though. I'm not stupid. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Oh, yeah, you said something about um, that that Jesus, I think you said Jesus was Hitler's God. Could
2: you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. You know, being raised Jewish a, a generation after the Holocaust, we don't make a distinction between Roman Catholic and Protestant or Baptist, whatever, Lutheran, any of them. They're just all Christian. And the Catholic Church had funded Adolf Hitler. And so because of that, when we see Adolf Hitler claiming the claims he made in the name of Jesus Christ, in being supported by the Catholic Church, for a Jewish person, we look at that and say, this is what Jesus would do. We look at things like the Inquisitions, the, the Crusades, the Holocaust, and attribute all that to the Christian God, Jesus. And so that was my view of Jesus. And, and you know, God has done so much since then in my life. You you asked about the ministry. I, I do I founded and run a ministry called Striving for Eternity. It's a discipling ministry. We have online school free. That's clearly I've given up my Judaism. It's free. Wait. Um <laughs> Yeah. But really what it is, I'm frustrated with the lack of um Poor teaching that's out there that's free or expensive teaching that you can pay for that's good. We wanted to give you, any of the listeners, a seminary level of education that anyone can understand. What blows me away is how many homeschoolers use our classes to supplement their homeschooling. And the argument they give or the thing they always contact us with is that because of my quirky humor – My ability to explain things at a simple level, their children, even as early as sixth grade, understand lessons. And we're trying to revamp this a bit and make it where it is more geared toward homeschooling. But the thing that we do is we're trying to teach people. My books, What Do They Believe on the World Religions? What Do We Believe on on Christianity? Are geared toward people learning from a basic level to an experience level, anybody can pick up the book what did we believe that and understand the Christian faith? I have a gentleman in my church he's he's a little bit challenged and it's not a dig on him. he just is he's read he as he's told me that my book was maybe one of only three books he's ever read that are not comic books and he understood. some of the theology did he understand all of it no but reading it again he'll pick up more and more and more people who love studying theology they'll they'll skim through it they'll read through it and be able to pick up some stuff but it's written for all levels that's the thing that i try to do different um we have a podcast community that we're creating called the christian podcast community um i have a podcast called the rap report i hated that name melissa I hated it. I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. One of our board members came up with it. And I I was convinced that I was going to show him how bad and and corny this name was. I went to a shepherds conference and I did a poll of all of my buddies when when this board member was with me and I said, "Hey, look, we're starting up a new podcast." And uh, Anthony over here thinks we should call it The Rap Report. And everyone's like, "Oh, that's so great." And I was like, yeah. "Oh, I'm stuck with the same Then, when we started it, I got people sending me emails like, dude, this has nothing to do with rap music. Yeah, it's my (laughs) last name. I have to rename it. It's now called Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report. (laughs) So people get that it's not about rap music. Though we may have a guy that does rap music coming on soon, just saying. We're in talk. Yeah, I hear that.
1: Um, Um, There's like, isn't there two – there's, like, one that's, like, two minutes, and then there's one
2: that's, like, I think, like, an hour about, or almost an hour? Yeah. We do, so we do a two-minute daily Monday through Friday, and we actually have a radio station that is interested in having us have that on. We just have to raise the funds to be able to do that. But we have the two-minute daily where we are really trying to address in our podcast things of Hermeneutics, the science of interpretation we want people to rightly interpret god's word so with that we're dealing with different issues in culture or dealing with scripture and if you listen to the ones coming out this starting this week we're going to deal with three weeks dealing with a statement that recently came out on the statement on social justice and the gospel now if you listen to our podcast, we were one of the only ones that broke that news. We came out with it um, having been involved. We came out with this very early and were able to give one of the writers of that statement his view on why this was so important and what each of those points do. And we're going to go into each of those points in our daily two minutes so you can, you can get through that entire statement uh, by listening to that. Then what we usually do on Saturdays is a wrap-up. We take that all those weeklies and we wrap them up. What we try to do is wrap it up so that you get one podcast that has all of the ideas put together. So for the Statement on Social Justice, that wrap-up is going to be put off for a couple weeks because we're going to wrap up all 14 articles in one. Uh, So that's the, the dailies. The weeklies we have come out on Sundays. It's usually one hour. Sometimes I have a guest, sometimes I don't. The most recent one that came out was on dealing with depression. Um, it was a difficult one for me. Uh, this is one where I am a, as more transparent than I usually am. I share some of my own struggles. I don't go into a great amount of detail. Uh, though. Those who know me personally and know me, um, one of the guys at church today, uh, who knows what I went through back at the time, uh, we'll understand it better. But I, I was a little bit more open than I, I ever have been on my podcast and a great encouragement I got just before we went on the air. Someone just said, sent me a message, said, hey, and this is a brother who has been struggling for months uh, for the one year that I've I've gotten to know him. And he's like, I just got done listening to your podcast on depression with Amy Matravati, and it really helped me on many different levels. Thanks, Andrew. And and that was a great encouragement to me because, you know, you do these podcasts, Melissa, you do these shows, you're sitting and talking to a microphone and don't know who's on the other side. <laughs> and messages like that, reviews on iTunes, I, I go to the iTunes reviews for the rap report just to see what people are saying. I actually keep, like when people email me at Striving for Eternity and send me a message about how the has helped them, I keep those because it encourages me and there's times where I need to go back to those and I just read through those and go, wow, th- this is having an impact on people and we don't always see that. Yeah, sure. Um, I was
1: wondering if you could go
2: into more about the, the newest book that you have? Um, what do you believe? Sure. Um, what did we believe is a systematic theology of the Christian belief. For many folks, a book like John MacArthur's Biblical Doctrine or any kind of systematic theology, you take Wayne Grudem's, you take uh, Schaeffer's, um, you take Strong. There are thick they're heavy it's a lot to get through some of those things and even if you take a Charles Ryrie's Charles Ryrie wrote a systematic theology that was really well written to people who don't know theology to as an introduction but still deals with all the topics and it was really good for that the problem that I saw with it was it's still super thick and intimidating to people so what I wanted to do is I wanted to write something that wouldn't be intimidating, wouldn't be something that would overwhelm people, and yet easy to understand. And though if you understand theology, you could read through it and just go, wow, okay, yeah, I picked this up. In fact, one of the things I did, and I haven't seen this in any of the systematic Theology books that I've read, is to go into detail on one of the most important topics – of our time and that is the reliability of scripture specifically with textual criticism now there's there's some that'll that'll deal with it but we have so much information out now that we must address the question can i trust the bible because this is the question that we get asked the most on the street melissa you know i i'm a a street evangelist I do yeah. <laughs> some open air evangelism. And, and I make a distinction between open air preaching and open air evangelism. Um, if you listen to Pastors Discussions podcast, they're going to come out with one sometime soon, maybe even this Monday, uh, where we will discuss that. They had me on to discuss it. And I make that distinction. Here's the thing I get challenged the most with this one question worded different ways. But can you trust the Bible? It's either they'll say, well, the Bible's been edited, the Bible's been rewritten, the Bible has contradictions. All of these things are resolved when you look at this topic that's known as textual criticism. And what that is is trying to get back to the original text. What I ended up doing was trying to give a very easy-to-understand view that we can trust the Bible. In fact, the meaning of our New Testament and the Old Testament is has better statistics than the New. So looking at the New Testament, let me give you some examples. We have, now the argument's going to be that there's over 400,000 variances, changes, edits. um, When someone's copying something by hand, they make mistakes. Those are called a variant. And people go, there's 400,000. But you go, wait a minute, there's only 138,000 words in the Greek. They're doing an apples to oranges comparison. They're comparing all of the different ways that it's reading. In other words, I could write, maybe my accent one time, I write what should be Lord Jesus Christ, but instead I wrote Jesus Christ. Another time someone else wrote Christ Jesus. Someone else wrote Lord Christ Jesus. Those would be four different readings. And the argument is that would be four variants. Now, if we look at it, it's one, really two words, three words that are, have a variant, okay? So we want to compare those, and we want to say, did the meaning change? I mean, if I, in all those four that I gave you, the meaning doesn't change. You know you're speaking of the same person. So sometimes you have something, and 75% of those changes are spelling errors. We can easily fix those. Okay, The other majority is ones where the meaning hasn't changed, um, but you know we can get back to the original. It's not a big deal, but there are some where the meaning changes, and if we can get back to the original, great. There's ones where we can't get back to the original, but there's no meaning change, like Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. Meaning doesn't change at all. Can we get back to the original? Maybe not. The only ones we're really concerned with are where we can't get back to the original meaning and we can't get back to the original wording. So now the meaning changed, the wording changed, we can't get back to the original. That's the big concern. Well, that's only 1%. In fact, that number is really conservative. It's actually one-fifth of 1%. So when you really look at it, we would be able to argue that the Bible is 99.8% accurate. Now, Melissa, would you be willing to put those numbers up to CNN's accuracy any day of the week? <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, me too. You see, we could trust say, the Bible.
1: I uh, just going to say, uh, there's also um, so many um, copies of the Bible, too, compared to like other books.
2: And that's one of the things that we look at because when we look at the number of manuscripts that we have, the more manuscripts that we have, the better we can compare to. If if I look at a Quran, if I was to believe what Muslims say, that there's only one Arabic Quran, why don't I believe that? Well, because there's this guy in England who actually goes to preacher's corner, speaker's corner, and he puts out all these different Qurans One's from Saudi Arabia, one's from Iran, one's from uh, Iraq, and he finds that there are actually textual differences in the Arabic, and he points them out. But they argue there's only one Arabic. Okay, if that's the case, can we compare with that one that's copied over and over again? Can we compare that to the previous ones, like that, you know, Khalif Uthman had gotten together and he, he, grab these different writings of the Quran and he said burn the abhorrent texts how do you know he burnt the right one you don't because you can't compare it to the others because they burnt them <laughs> but I would argue that there are different variances between the different Quran's that's a problem in Islam not for Christianity because Christianity doesn't say that the, that the word of God was going to be perfectly preserved in its original language The meaning of it is preserved. I'll I'll give you the argument that a guy, Bart Ehrman, he um, is a textual critic. He deals with this subject. And his best argument that he had is that – now, if you're going to write a New York Times Times bestseller, you're going to put the best argument forward, right, Melissa? I mean, you don't want to put a bad argument forward. Okay. Here's his best (laughs) argument. you ready for this? I mean, this is going to blow you out of the waters. I mean, your faith is going to be crippled at this. He says that we cannot know the meaning of the New Testament because there are some manuscripts that say that Jesus Christ was a carpenter. And there's others that say he was the son of a carpenter. And we can't know which one it is. And the meaning's changed. Wow. (laughs) I don't think I know a single doctrine based on the fact that Jesus was a carpenter. I mean, that's the best he has. And that doesn't affect any doctrine. In fact, in his First edition, paperback version of his book, Misquoting Jesus, he admitted that there's not a single biblical doctrine affected by any of these variances. Now, that's, this is an important thing that many Christians don't deal with, and they don't know how to deal with. And this is something that's in my book. A, a second topic that is crucial for every Christian, the deity of Christ. This comes under attack. I know you have uh, been in different Google Hangouts and things with different people from different cults. You look at Mormons, yeah. you look at Bible Witnesses, you look at Islam. All of them are going to attack the issue of the deity of Jesus Christ. It's a very easy way to lay this out. You know, we look at the Trinity in that book, in the view of God. And people think the Trinity, well, it's hard to understand. I I admit that. None of us fully understand it. But you know what? The Trinity is actually a solution to the problem. People that deny the Trinity don't realize they still have a dilemma. What's that dilemma? When we go through the Gospels, go through the New Testament, go through the entire Bible, here's what you see. Jesus Christ is referred to as God, God the Father. He's referred to as God. The Holy Spirit, he's referred to as God. In fact, God the Father has attributes that only God has. You know what? Jesus Christ has attributes that only God has. And the Holy Spirit has attributes that only God has. And yet, like at Jesus' baptism, we see the, the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus Christ who's standing there and hear the voice of the Father. We see it there distinct from one another. Now, how can this be that you have a Father, Son, and Spirit who are distinct from one another, yet all of them have attributes of God? They all do the works that only God can do, like creation? How can that be? The Trinity is the solution to that problem. If you want to deny the Trinity, well, you've still got a problem. How is Jesus God? How is the Spirit God? How is the Father God? And yet they be distinct from one another. And these doctrines are so important. I'll just put it this way. Teaching this week on Philippians at my church, Philippians chapter 2, 5 to 8, and there's so many heresies that are rooted in misunderstanding that text. And someone asked me the question, how do you keep from falling into heresy? And I said, the issue is, is that throughout the early church, this was a problem. Because we are trying to wrap our mind around something we can't comprehend, the nature of God. And in doing so, we sit there and try to understand it in the best our finite minds can understand it. And we're going to be sometimes in error. And when we get into that error, what unfortunately happens for many of us is we end up defending something and putting our our stakes in the ground and making our arguments where we defend wrongly a position and that happens unfortunately so what we have to do is know that we have to look at the scriptures and say you know what Uh, it seems to teach that Jesus is God and yet there's only one God how do I understand this do I completely understand the Trinity (laughs) no I'm not God right but this is a way that we explain it to a human mind
1: and
2: um, I was wondering, how long did it take you to write the book? Uh, 30 years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, seriously, seriously, a book like this is not written uh, overnight. It, it really, when you look at the, the book, um, it, it, Phil Johnson wrote a great forward to it. And he really picked up on some things that, you know, this is a thing where, You don't pick these things up overnight. We struggle with things. We deal with them. But we can study theology and systematize it and say, okay, here it is. But what I try to do is make it practical to people who are evangelizing, those who are answering people's arguments, whether they be cults, from cults or from people on the street, atheists or whoever. And... That's a little bit harder to do. And that's what I tried to do. And when you do that, it takes some life experience. It takes, in my case, being on the streets for years, sharing the gospel with people and hearing their arguments and saying, well, you know what? We have an answer from the Bible on that and providing that. Well, that's what I tried to do. I really wanted to do, I wanted to create something that, Any church can use in their Sunday school or in a small group setting that would teach their people the basics of theology. Maybe giving them a little bit of a a wetting of their appetite so that they want more and they could dig into something a little bit deeper. But going through a book like John MacArthur's Biblical Doctrine, some churches are going to do it, but most won't. But most people can pick up what do we believe and go through that. And
1: um
2: where can we get the book? Uh that would be easy. That you go to what do we com or mm-hmm. striveforeternity.org. Uh the both of my books are at the striving for eternity store. That's um, that's who actually owns the copyrights for my book. Um, And you could get those. You can actually get, and actually, you said that this was my newest book, and it's actually not anymore. But (laughs) the newest book that I contributed to, uh, and I've contributed actually to two books since What Do We Believe came out. Now, What Do We Believe is just me, but I've contributed to a book called On the Origin of Kinds. Um, Dr. Anthony Silvestro is the primary author of that, and I contributed a chapter on biblical reliability, and also uh, wrote the foreword to that. But I did contribute a chapter to a book called "Sharing the Good News with Mormons." There's, uh, I think, 26 of us that wrote chapter or wrote in that articles for that book. There's 24 different authors that wrote a full chapter. I was one of them, and I wrote a chapter on what I call open air evangelism as a technique, as a way to reach Mormons. And so there's four, 24 different techniques. On how to reach mormons so that's that's actually the newest book that I've contributed to, but what do we believe is the newest book I've written? Hopefully I have a new one I'm working on a new book on the deity of Jesus Christ through the gospels, and hopefully that should be out sometime before you know twenty twenty five the um
1: used to have um well you still have an it output it's a new name um you have the uh Used
2: to be Ohio Fire, Fire North Cal Fire, and I think Jersey Fire. Yeah, Can't talk about that. John MacArthur ruined that for us. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, John fire. MacArthur now, he exactly he came out with <laughs> this conference and book called Strange Fire, and they talked about how fire is used in charismatic circles in an unbiblical sense. And because of that, people thought our conference was charismatic. We were using <clears throat> fire in the biblical sense and contemporary sense. The, the The theme for our events were to fire Christians up. That's kind of the contemporary sense, right? To get people excited. To yeah. fire Christians up. To warn the lost of the fire to come. We were using fire in a biblical sense, in judgment fire. But... It was becoming a problem. So we, re, we renamed it. Um, the idea was to, to get people excited about sharing the gospel. And we realized that a lot of the conference was really about discipling. So we've renamed them into equipping conferences. Because that's really what we're doing. We're equipping Christians. It's one of the many ways we use to disciple. So we have equipped NorCal, which I will be in NorCal actually this coming week. Uh, if people are listening live or this week, um, Thursday we head out there. Friday and Saturday will be the conference at Re- in Redwood City, uh, Grace Baptist Church, I believe is the church, and uh, Pastor Steve Converse will be out there for Equip NorCal. That is going to be with uh, Dr. Silvestro, myself, and Mark uh, Spence from Living Waters. Uh, I will be providing two messages: one on biblical reliability that I talked a little bit about here. And the other is going to be on the subject of presuppositional apologetics. And so Dr. Silvestro will deal with topics like the importance of uh, Genesis, um, answering apologetic questions on the street. Uh, Mark will deal with the question, what is the gospel? So that's NORCAL. We, We usually have that in September. Ohio is usually around April, May time, the Equip Ohio, and then Equip Jersey is in July. And so those are three that we're doing. We are looking to to kind of, we're changing them up a little and looking to do them differently. We had someone that asked me how I developed my the New York Evangelism team that we have. And I said, well, we've been doing this conference called Jersey Fire for over 10 years. And that's that's really true. I mean, we had... A bunch of people who went out and, you know, because they they were part of that conference, came out with us. We kept the relationship going. They wanted to keep evangelizing. They were in the New York area, and we developed a team of people that, that still to this day go out pretty regularly and evangelize. So that's what those conferences are about. It's a great time. We have changed it up a little, and at least in Jersey, we've made it much smaller. And the reason for doing that is so we could do a lot more hands-on discipling. It is a lot closer knit. When we started this uh, 12 years ago, now there weren't conferences where you can get uh, a Phil Johnson, you know, where you can talk to him privately. They, you know, these guys usually would go into a green room. Guys like you know Phil Johnson, Justin Peters, Matt Slick,
0: yeah.
2: But our conference was designed where you can. We didn't have a green room on purpose, so that you could talk to these guys and discuss with them.
1: Um, what I wanted to do with you. Uh, I know on your um, in case people don't know, on your show, you uh, you do a sort of transition game where you uh. Someone give you a topic, and then you use that the priest, the transition to preach the gospel. I want to do that with you too. <laughs>
2: you want you want me to play my my music for that then?
1: Yeah, yeah. I have. Here a
2: we go. Here, here we go. I got I got the the transition music theme. Here we go. It's <laughs> time now
1: to start the spiritual transition game. So there you go. That's cool. You know,
2: we do okay. this, well. this, this is something where most people like to, they, they feel comfortable sharing the gospel once it becomes spiritual. And how do they make it spiritual? Some people pray, oh, Lord, please give me an opportunity to share the gospel. I don't pray that anymore. I believe that I can make any conversation into a gospel conversation because of practice. And if people practice, they can do that.
1: Okay, I got a topic for you. I picked out. Uh, Mine is pizza.
2: You realize, make me nervous, right? You've been thinking about this. You have it planned. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) So what do you have for me?
1: Oh, I said it. I said pizza.
2: Pizza. You know, (laughs) I would have responded to this differently a few. Even a few weeks ago. See, pizza is one of my <laughs> favorite foods. I mean, right after sushi, is pizza. I, I pretty much could eat pizza anytime. However, I got to fit into a tux for my daughter's wedding in November. And so I've cut out, like, all carbs and sugars. And I'm trying to lose weight. And I'm running again. <laughs> I'm lifting weights. Why? I, I want to fit into this tux. I want to look good because I have this, I have this thing, this goal. Right. My daughter's wedding. And it's moving large in my life. I really want to be able to fit into the tux that I already purchased <laughs> and not look bad at that. Right. And so I have this goal and goal setting is good. Right. It's good that we set goals. Yeah. We do it every New Year, New Year's. Right. I mean, how many New Year's resolutions are made? How many New Year's resolutions are broken? And really what it comes to is the fact that people struggle with self-discipline. They make the resolution, they have good intentions, but good intentions aren't enough. Even trying to work out at the gym, a lot of times it's just not enough because you need the perseverance. And what everything in our life helps us to understand is that perseverance doesn't come easy. In fact, it takes, I think it's, 28 days to make a good habit and only three days to break a good habit, while it takes uh, 28 days to break a bad habit and only three days to create a bad habit. What does that tell us? It tells us that in our human nature, we will always lean toward things that are bad. Why is that? Well, there's a reason for that, and most people don't want to think about it. The reason is is because we, as human beings, have a sin nature. We are preconditioned to break God's law. And do you know that God himself had a solution for that? God himself, he came to earth, he died on a cross 2,000 years ago. We know him as a man, Jesus Christ. He died on a cross as a payment of sin that even though you and I, we break God's law, we don't do the things we want to do. But he died that he would set us free, that he would forgive us of breaking his law. He died, he was buried, and then he did something that's incredible. He rose from the dead to vindicate, to prove that he was who he said he was, God Almighty, and that he has the power and authority to forgive us of our sin. And You know how many people struggle with sin? In fact, what they do is they struggle with the guilt of sin. People turn to drugs, sex, alcohol, work, all kinds of things to avoid the guilt of sin, and yet Jesus Christ came to earth to offer us forgiveness. Do you know that forgiveness today? So that's how I would transition from that. From pizza. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> you
1: got the little song that's cute, this song. Or the, the theme thing. Um, I was going to ask you... Uh, where can people find you on the internet,
2: like all the socials, the socials if you have any? Yeah, and it, it's hard to find me because <clears throat> Twitter and Facebook have it out for me. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did a recent <clears throat> test to see whether Twitter would, would post things. I I'm convinced that Twitter is hiding things. I responded to a politician recently. Mm-hmm. And my Twitter is at Andrew Rappaport. Rappaport is R-A-P-P-E-O-R-T. And a California uh, woman that's running for Congress in California, and she said she's, you know, she's defending the, um, I'm trying to remember exactly how she worded it, but it sounded like she's defending the rights of the, the, being a voice to the voiceless. And so I responded and said, if you're defending the voice. You want to be the voice for the voiceless? Do you speak out for the children in the womb? She's got millions of followers, and yet only twenty-six people saw that tweet. Huh? Almost as if Twitter doesn't want you to see that. (laughs) Um, But the other, I'm on on um, Facebook as Andrew Rappaport. Uh, We have the Striving Fraternity is on Facebook. We have Striving Fraternity Ministries. The striving for training group where you can interact. And we have the community uh the well the Christian podcast community is on Facebook as well. Uh, I am on Instagram. I don't know how to use Instagram yet. I'm learning it. That's a new one for me. I just <laughs> started learning Twitter. Hey, we already established I'm fifty years old, right? And these things are, you know <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm learning the new technology. But I, I'm, I'm, I used to be very active on Facebook. I'm becoming more active on Twitter, and we're trying to learn Instagram so that we could be on there as well. But, the, I mean, the best place to get a hold of me is going to be really at strivingfraternity.org. That's where you're going to find a lot of our stuff. All the podcasts are out there. We, the podcast community is growing. We're going to be announcing this, this month different podcasts that are joining, Theology Gals is hopefully going to be joining this month. They we're trying to work all that out. We got to create a new web page for them. But we announced earlier this week that uh, folks who are familiar with Matt Slick and I, Matt Slick is from karm.org and karm is a great resource for apologetics stuff. Matt and I used to do a show for several years and we put it on a hiatus. Sunday nights didn't work for us, so he and I talked, and we want to start it up again. We see a lot of people that asked us for it, and there's been we see a, a lot of value in in doing it. And really, it was a show where people would challenge Matt or I on apologetical issues. We'd get atheists in or different folks, and what we ended up doing was not only Matt would have time to dialogue with those folks and Give them the Christian view. But after they were done, we would talk about, why, Matt, why did you ask that question versus this question? We'd, we'd go into helping new apologists learn apologetics. So we are going to start that again. It is called Apologetics Live, and it will be on Thursday nights at 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that will start September 27th of 2018. Now with that, is that a,
0: we have a website. We have it a website
2: Hangouts? to it well, we might we're not sure. I I like there's certain things I like about Google Hangouts and there's certain things I like about Zoom, which is how I do my podcasts and stuff. Uh, Google Hangouts have a little bit better control, but the problem with Google Hangouts is there's ways to kick other people out of a Google Hangout. And I don't, we don't like that. Uh, We've had Mm -hmm. this case where people kicked Matt out of the Hangout, and it becomes a problem. So we may use Zoom, but here's what we're going to do. We're developing a website called ApologaxLive.com. The goal is to have you just go there. We're going to embed the video into that website. So if you go there, it doesn't matter if it's on Zoom, on, on Vimeo, on Google Hangout, whatever it is even if it's a U screen, whatever platform we do, it's going to be at apologeticslive.com. And we'll put the links in there of how to join the discussion. I hope that we're going to have a chat room right there so that that becomes the one place you go and you get everything. Um, So we're going to see. We, We may do it as a Zoom meeting versus a Google Hangout, but we don't know yet. Working on the technology of it. So does it get
1: archived there, too?
2: We will archive right. it. What we're going to do is we will archive it on uh, probably. We're still working out the details. There's there's always with these things legal things we have to work through being two separate 501c3s as we are and uh, being Striving Fraternity and, and CARM. And so what we're looking to do is stream it and post the video on CARM Video's YouTube page. And the podcast will be a podcast called Apologetics Live that'll start probably in October that will be on the Christian podcast community. And so folks do on their podcast app, I mean, I encourage you to look for Rap Report. That's rap with two Ps, by the way. Um, But search for Rap Report, subscribe to that, go to the Christian podcast community, and you get everything. Because when we – we have right now in the, on the Christian podcast community the Wrap Report and Theolo- Theology Answers, which is Pastor um, James Tippins, and he does that one. But when Apoljacks Lives comes on, that's going to be on that same feed. So if you get that one feed, you get all of the podcasts that are going to be on the community or in the community. So is there um, any uh, last
1: words you like to say before you go?
2: Cause that's all the questions I have. Well, let's see. I am a preacher, and I was a pastor. So that means that I can talk for hours. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> you you know when a pastor says "finally," that really doesn't mean that that's his last point, right?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it means he's going on for another twenty minutes. No, I I really appreciate you having me on. You know, I I love your show, as you know. Um, it is amazing the technology that we have that you and I can get together from literally across this country and yeah. be able to talk. And this is a platform for sharing the gospel with folks. It's it's amazing. But yet we see on social media and elsewhere where so many people use this technology to be divisive, to backbite and things like that. And that, that's discouraging. Um, You know, I encourage folks, listen to good podcasts, be encouraging of other Christians. What did Jesus say? How do we know that we are Christian by our love for one another? Let's display that love online because the reality, many people see the fighting that goes online and they don't see the love for one another. I I recently was part of and signed a document called the statement on social justice—I mentioned my podcast. The, the dailies are going to deal with that in detail. We're going to go through that. I have gotten so many attacks, and I'm not even one of the initial signers. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: there were 14 that gathered in Dallas, and um, what you end up seeing is we, we're there's such an attack going on 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 this issue of social justice and i think this is really a defining issue for our time this is going to be a watershed issue for our time as christians of will we stand with scripture or culture and um i've gotten a number of people who've been uh, very attacking uh, children of some very big name people even uh, that don't agree with our stance. And we may end up having some of them on my podcast. We have uh, some folks who are very uh, vulgar, <laughs> say the least, with this stuff. And the reality is, is we have to show love. Our heart is for the gospel. And this is an important thing. As you know, I travel the country, I speak at conferences, yes, but I'm I'm greatly concerned with the issue of the gospel. This is what we have to be about. Jesus Christ, Almighty God, He left heaven where everybody was singing His praises. There was no sin, no suffering, no starvation, no sickness. He left that place to come to earth, to die on a cross, and as Philippians two says, to be a slave even unto the death of the cross. If you left it to me, I would have I would leave it to, I would say, hey, I'd rather wait until you know they master the art of lethal injection, the cross. No, he came under one of the most brutal, vicious, wicked ways of killing a person. He came then so that he could die under that. So that he, being a man, having never broken God's law, that he could be a perfect sacrifice for other human beings. But yet, being fully God, being an eternal being, can pay the eternal fine for us. Being fully God and fully man, he, that makes Jesus unique. Another thing that Christianity teaches that makes it unique from every world religion is that it's the only religion where you see justice and mercy unified. You see in Islam, Islam will say that God is most merciful, but he can't be merciful and just at the same time. You see, if I was to do something wrong to you, Melissa, I wouldn't, I hope. But but say I did something wrong to you and there was a proper punishment you can hold me to that punishment or you could forgive me but you can't do both but you see we owe god he died for us therefore that payment was made and because the payment was fully made now he can show mercy because he himself paid it it's the only religion where god can display both his full mercy and full justice the third thing that makes christianity unique is that only within Christianity do you see a divine religion where God does all the work and humans have no part. Every man-made religion has human effort as a part of being righteous with God. It's only within Christianity where God does all the work. This is something that I've actually added to the book, What Do They Believe? And I, you may have a copy of that, but we're coming out with a second edition because I didn't realize how many people were sharing that book with unbelievers. So we added an epilogue to what do they believe, the uniqueness of Christianity and a note to the reader. And the note to the reader explains the gospel message that they need to repent, turn from trusting themselves as a good person, turn from trusting their good works, turn from trusting that they were born a certain genealogy, Jewish, Catholic, whatever. And they need to turn to Jesus Christ and trust him and him alone as their savior for the forgiveness of sin And so we're hoping that that second edition Will be able to be used in a, as an evangelistic tool Because we didn't expect that with it So that's what yes. I would share That's the most important message yeah. That I that's
1: could share That's a good with
2: addition folks. It's a good addition
1: I to it so. Well, <laughs> yeah. okay.
2: well I, wow. I really Appreciate you having me on it's, it's really a privilege to be on with you I know that um, you have been consistently doing this show for a long time now.
1: It's been yeah, several
2: years. I, a lot yeah, of people give at least up
1: seven seven to nine years I think. I'm not sure exactly right now.
2: So I want to encourage you personally, you know, to to keep carrying on with this. I mean, this show that you do gets to be a lighthouse using the technology to be a lighthouse to people literally around the world. And it's amazing. It's just amazing. And Did you ever think that you'd be doing a show on the internet for this long? That literally could reach the world.
1: Um, No, like um, I I was back in before the in community college. I it was a regular station. Well, they did have an internet version of their station, but it was just an AM station. And I was learning about about it how to do radio there. So I did. Have some teaching, so God used that, and I had a love radio because they used to have a radio station that was for children called Radio Oz AHS, and He instilled a love for radio with me for uh, for that, and it's just amazing that I get these, I get to do this, and for some people, like to me, it's like easy, but I think for a lot of people, it would be hard to do, and there's some things that. Other people do That like Maybe like YouTube or Something that I think was Too hard but I like The um, the uh, Flexibility of 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 Using just Voice and They give you A, a phone number For the call In number and Then you, you Call in and it, I think it's Just so cool um, If people Don't know It's used Through uh, Blog talk Radio is The actual uh, Platform they give you uh, your own num- call number, and you could upload uh, MP3s to play. Uh, they like you have podcast-safe music, but I play the music that um, I got permission to play, so uh, I use that. And, yeah, it's like I don't always get to see all of the people who call in But I know there is l- listeners because I... They have like statistics um, for who listen, and I always get to talk to people because uh, I don't um, I don't do the the um, uh, I don't answer to other people uh, during the show because I'm afraid like don't want to have have like the trolls with people to um, cuss on there and stuff because I don't edit my show. But, yeah, it's amazing that um, God worked it out, that I could do it. And it's only, like, $39 a month. So for what, I get two hours of radio. And, this, yeah, it's, it's very cool to, to see where God has brought me far along. Uh, I was born again February 16, 2004, and God used the, the work of... Um, uh, living waters and Kurt Cameron and Ray Comfort uh, to uh, to help save me. So I I also appreciate you coming on because uh, uh I enjoy you talk o- a <laughs> you talk a lot. <laughs> you're good uh fast uh easy interviews uh, some people are like you have to. Some people you have to drag them a bit more to be like, oh, come on, I say a little bit more. But uh, I like that you you're easy to talk to, and um, no, yeah, yeah, you got a voice for radio. Watching only
2: face radio, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was
1: thinking about that. Well, I don't think you look that bad, but <laughs> it's a, I guess. I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I also appreciate that you guys have that um, Christian podcast um, uh, thing now on Facebook because um, they let us share our, our our episodes to get people to hear it and maybe get other people to come up. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to get people to do more interviews, and then I got uh, God provided <laughs> And especially with you and so someone else I had for music uh, last week, I think it was, yeah. And um, so I just want to thank you for being on, and everybody check out StrivingForEternity.org. That's where you can find StrivingForEternity.org. That's the F-O-R, not like a number four, just F-O-R. And to say bye to you, um, Andrew. Thanks, well, thanks for, for
2: having doing. me on. I really appreciate it very much.
1: You're welcome. Bye. I appreciate you. Bye. Okay. Um, once again, like I said, that's Andrew Rappaport. He has the book. What do they believe, and what do we believe? And the other ones that he that he provided information for, we said earlier. And um gonna go out with Nancy and friends. uh yes excuse me, Nancy and Friends with the Via Veli. And bye for now.